Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Jared Piles, and with me is Dr. Rob McDowell. Hello, Dr. McDowell. Hello, Jared. How are you? I'm doing well. In this episode, we're going to talk about inclusion and assessment whoa, whoa. in online learning because it kind of fits a bit. Each It doesn't fit necessarily in one domain. It fits in all of them. We talk about inclusion and assessment and the significance of it uh, in the community of inquiry in online learning. Well, let's talk about inclusion first because that can be a hotbed issue. It really is. And let's define what we mean by it and what we don't mean. Or maybe we should just define what we mean. Yeah, let's just say what we mean. Let's just say what we mean and leave those other things out that we may not want to talk about. Sure. So let's talk about inclusion first and what we mean by it. So inclusion for our purposes is not what the world necessarily would label as inclusion. Um, Cultural differences, most certainly. We need to pay attention to those things. Our students, especially the ones that come here on campus, they all come from different states. They all come from different backgrounds. We have racial diversity as well. And so those things in the cultures that they come from need to be taken into account. And if you know something that could be extremely offensive, it's probably best to stay away from it if you can. Yeah. For example, there are some cultures that will see you trying to reach out as an instructor to them and to build a community as like, you know, you're not supposed to relate to the instructor. The instructor is there to impart knowledge right? and the students to treat them with respect and only speak to them when spoken to. Right. Because like they that. are, they have such a high view exactly of these professors and when they act differently yeah. than what they expect. Throws it, them it, off. Oh yeah. It can cause real problems. Yeah. So just understanding that those things are in play I think are very important, Uh, not being blind to it, Uh, not being blind to your own culture and to your own biases. Uh, Just because you love the Cincinnati Reds doesn't mean... Still a sore spot, Rob. (laughs) ...that that everybody in your class is going to love the Cincinnati Reds. I took off my headphones like I was leaving (laughs) for those listening. Oh, that was too funny. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying. It's like you may love something as yeah. as an instructor, and it may be your favorite thing. But it, don't let that get in the way of your educational goals for your students. And so it, it takes some wisdom, I think, when you talk about inclusion. And it's just keeping keeping those barriers from the – remember we talked about connection and connections between the cognitive – the social and the teacher, student teacher, and it's being aware of the barriers to all of those. I really think that's what inclusion really is talking about, is making sure that you're keeping those lines open as much as possible within the framework of, for me, a biblical framework, what Scripture says, where those boundaries are. And then, you know, to a second degree, those cultural differences. So... Sometimes you can use those things, right? Sometimes yeah. you can th- say things like, 
oh, the Reds really put a shellacking on the Brewers, and and that might get something going in, you know. You know. What? I, I See, it's gotten something going. It has got something going. <laughs> you know how, how many times I wish I could say that? The Reds put a shellacking on the Brewers. But you, you make my point. I do. Yes. And that is understand who you're talking to, understand yep. their culture, and, and don't assume mm-hmm. that everybody comes from the same background. In this inclusion, you talk about barriers. It also fits with what we talked about before when we had Lauren in here with us to talk about accessibility. Right. Uh, making sure your content and the websites and whatever you provide to your students is accessible to eliminate those barriers. Mm-hmm. Multiple modalities for sharing materials, multiple formats for those things, making sure your videos are transcripted, all the accessibility stuff we've talked about before. Oh, yeah. Because that most certainly goes in that whole idea. I mean, that that's part of that whole idea of inclusion. Because you want to make sure that those who have hearing or seeing issues or, you know, you name it, processing issues, you know, in terms of dyslexia or other types of real issues. I mean, we're not, this stuff isn't made up. People literally do have these issues, right? And well, I just say that because sometimes, I mean, let's be fair. Sometimes people act like it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's true. Like Bigfoot or, you know, the abominable snowman or a unicorn. But some people think Bigfoot exists. Oh, see, that's where I may have just alienated a whole a all, whole all I'm saying sector is don't of go, our listeners. Don't go into your online course and get and go, well, you know, that doesn't exist, just like Bigfoot doesn't exist. <laughs> just be real careful. Because I think it runs deeper than you think. All I know is when we went to Mount St. Helens and we got up there in the woods and we saw just how thick and dense those pine trees are and those and those forests are. You can't tell me there ain't anything living up there. You can't tell me that. Well, I'm no, just telling you. I just know it's not some animal. It's probably some guy who can't live with the rest of humanity. <laughs> Maybe he is the Bigfoot. He probably. <laughs> Mountain man. Anyway. All I know is just don't don't rule it out. Okay. You heard it here first, That's folks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you talk about inclusion. And I think also this helps us bridge into the next point is talking about assessments as well. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about assessments at length. We talked about formative and summative. Ad infinitum. Ad infinitum. And there is um, an element where your assessments need to be accessible as well, and that's another way of doing inclusion is through the assessment pieces that you're using. Right. Um, and I think that also helps with their helps the students with their cognitive background as well as you know, knowing where they're coming from academically. And not assuming that all the students in your course are at the same level when you start. Because in an online course, you lose that, you know, shock, shockingly, uh-huh. you lose the face-to-face part of it, an online course uh, when you have an online course. Um, so you may not have as much interaction with your students that allows you to... See their expressions. See their expressions. Mm-hmm. Or in a lot of students in an online course will just not respond when they're confused with something. But mm-hmm. that, that goes back to our previous episode. We talk about developing a community, right? creating a safe environment for students to interact and ask questions. And, you know, but th- this, this gives you an opportunity through your assessments and your inclusive assessments to 
recognize those things and help your students be engaged to do well, to succeed, and wrestle with the, the hard stuff as it comes about. Yeah, and we do that through just rehash it just for old time's sake. It never hurts. Formative assessment and summative assessment. So formative being those things that, that build. Uh, you can give quick feedback, uh, low stakes oftentimes, I, I hope. So more like the structuring and the scaffolding. Um, there's many different ways you can use it, obviously, and summative being those things that do exactly what the word says. It summarizes or kind of gives you a spot check of really where everybody's at. They've done well maybe on these formative assessments, but when you put it all together, right, and you assess holistically, do they do they pass those? Can they can they perform well in those those assessments? I think is is important to tell you whether or not you did fairly well in your formative. Right. I want to put you on the spot here. Oh boy. Is there a difference of importance between formative and summative assessments? in an online course versus a face-to-face course? I would say no. Okay. I would say you have more opportunity for formative. When? Uh, anywhere during okay. an online course because especially if you take your content, right? Because usually in your content, faculty will sometimes just do formative assessment on the fly, you know, just innately. Um, they may lecture let's just say a lecture for five minutes and then they may say you know what do you think or ask them a question ask the class a question that the problem with that sometimes is and we've discussed this many times is that you may have the wallflower who's over there thinking but never responds yep uh, in a face-to-face class let me be clear um and time is also an issue so you only have so much time for people to respond so usually it's your folks that really want to be heard, that want to, you know, raise their hand and want to talk, which is usually like what? One, two, maybe three? Yeah, three is pushing it. And you're talking like in a class of 30. Right. Right? So you're not hearing everybody in a face-to-face. So in an online course, if you do the same thing and you have something like we use, which is video quizzing, so say you have a five-minute segment, and usually that five-minute segment that you have face-to-face turns into like more like a three-minute segment, and then you have little questions in between each minute. If you do a summative quiz, and then you have reflective-type questions, open-ended questions at the end of that, uh, you can really get some good insight as to where your students are in terms of the content. I'm glad you said that because I was, I was thinking in my head if, if there was a difference in importance between the two, um, between face-to-face and online. But I, that your explanation makes perfect sense. Yeah. It, 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 it does kind of provide – you get to hear from all of your students if you do formative well in an online course. Yes. And I've talked about before using video discussions, mm-hmm. allowing me to hear from students that I would never hear because they're the wallflowers in the class – and then realizing that usually it's the quiet ones that have the most knowledge and have the best, at least in my experience anyway. Maybe that's not entirely true. Well, it, it could be true, and it may not be. It but just, you never know unless you yeah, get there and inter- exactly. hear from you, them, right? I think that's the point is 
And online, the chances of you, if you design it well, the chances of you hearing from everybody on an ongoing basis becomes, I think, much easier. And then allows you to encourage them to say, hey, you're super knowledgeable in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't you lead this next discussion or do it allows you to you know, help these students and support them and encourage them to go further. Right. It's kind of an open door because then you see something you didn't see before and you may have interactions with those students that you would not have had otherwise. But yeah, assessments in an online course, they have lots of benefits. We've talked about a few other ones that does that helps foster students' cognitive presence, allows them to reflect. And then Mm -hmm. reflection is such an important part, especially when you get to higher level thinking, allowing students to again, make the connections between the new knowledge and the old knowledge that they have Mm -hmm. and then helps them progress as well. These assessments will do all of those things. So there are some strategies we want to share for effective online assessment as well. Let me ask you this question on the spot. Can you do a one-to-one from your face-to-face to to an online course? Say, I've got all these face-to-face materials. Can you one-to-one to to an online course? Uh, By saying one-to-one... Do you mean... A straight copy-paste? No, I don't think so. But maybe there might be some, in terms of content that you have, potentially. Uh, Oftentimes when you're in a classroom, you're still giving context. Even when you're doing that, you're explaining what a particular assessment or assignment, excuse me, might be or reading that you might have the students do. You're going to be giving them verbal context to why it's important. At least I hope you would. A lot of times we do that in the online through announcements, uh, weekly announcements. Here are the things to pay attention to. Here are the things to avoid. You know, if faculty have that set up from the get-go, it makes it, and that can be boilerplated because, you know, you don't have to continually reinvent the wheel there. So you get some, you know, you get some mileage there, I think. I think you and I disagree on boilerplate announcements. Yeah, we may. Because you can set up boilerplate announcements for content, but you just mentioned context, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So sometimes you can't just assume, you can't add context to a boilerplate announcement. Well, if you design it. To a scheduled announcement. I think if you design it well, you can. If you have a section in your boilerplate, for something that is unique and that you have to fill out every time, but you don't have to rewrite the entire thing, that works. So, I think I just befuddled you. No, I'm just trying to think that's not a boilerplate thing because if you're adding stuff to it, then it's not boilerplate anymore. It's customized and it's... Well, I mean... Yeah. That's, that, 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 but you're starting with something. Yeah, but yeah. to me, you can't just copy-paste announcements from module or from uh, semester to semester. Well, no, especially if you started in the fall semester and you, you <sighs> mentioned fall and then Hey, I hope you it. have a great Thanksgiving break in April. <laughs> it's probably not wise. You know what I mean. Yes, yes, yes. I, I do, and I think, I think uh, there's a balance there to be had. I think I'm right, but anyway. Well. But so my reason for asking that a question initially – is because I don't necessarily think you can take a one-for-one, um, especially when it comes to assessments, because there are certain things that work in a face-to-face that don't translate as well in an online course. Like? 
quizzing. Certain elements of quizzing. Like what? Putting you on the spot. We talk about context, right? Right. If you have something that comes up in your semester and you have students that have a specific need for a certain area and you add that into your quiz for, let's say, uh, your first unit on uh, argument, argumentative writing. Okay. And you then leave those in there for your online course, but you don't actually cover that in the content. That, to me, is you can't, you can't do a one-to-one there. Oh, just, yeah. Just because you do it in a face-to-face, you can't do it in an online course. Whatever you use to support it in the face-to-face, you would have to have some sort of analogy support in the online course. You, so I think it's more a dynamic translation is what you're always looking for in terms of going from your face-to-face design to online. Honestly, I would say, this is from my perspective and from my experience, if you design a course for online, it's easier to back out of an online design into a face-to-face course than it is to go from a face-to-face into an online. I agree. Oh, yeah. We agree today. We, we agree on that. We That's agree. Woohoo! But why? Tell me why. Why do you think that? Well, because you have to actually think through everything you do with an online class. You have to design it all. You can't just shoot from the hip. You know, let's say you're teaching four classes or maybe you're teaching overload. And one of these courses, you've been teaching it for a while, right? And you know there are certain things that you're going to do. And you just have it in your back pocket. It's not necessarily something that you have written down mm-hmm. or that you have, you know, an established um, communication pattern to. But you, you're like, okay, I'll just, I'll just, I'll shoot from the hip on this, and I'll, you know, do a little bit of teaching jazz, if you will. Um, <laughs> teaching jazz. Where you're not, you're not really preparing. Because you don't have to, because you have, you know, you you already have a lot of it. You can just riff on it. And so some teachers do that. In an online class, you can't riff, at least not in the same way, right? Because every single piece of content has to be ready for that week. Uh, Unless you tell the students, oh, by the way, you know, you're just going to have to be ready for what I throw at you. And it may or may not come at a certain time. Uh, that will backfire, hundred percent. It, it, it most certainly could, <laughs> and I've seen it backfire. Uh, I have seen people pull it off though, and it is rare. And I would not advise it, but it, it can be done. But just because it can doesn't, doesn't mean, it, mean should. it should. Yeah. Uh, so in that perspective, you know, once you design for online. You pretty much have a nice structure to your course, and you can see the outline. You can see the things that you need to do. You can see the assessments. You can see the assessments. You can see the pathways. And it's actually a lot easier to make adjustments when you go from a online to a face-to-face because then you know, oh, okay, when I do this and this, I'll move this assignment. It's a discussion, but we'll do it in class instead of uh, on a discussion board, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's those kinds of things, and it just – you still are doing the same, but you don't have to guess. Yeah. You don't have to say, hmm, what am I going to do today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's important. I think that um, if we can 
provide students with opportunities to show their learning in an online course um, in different ways than you would in a face-to-face. I'm not saying that you can't use the same ones, but you'll have to fine-tune it and tailor it in a way um, that allows you to anticipate what's coming. Well, that brings us to the intersection of inclusion and assessment, really, because if you design in an online way, you're going to have inclusion, hopefully, Lord willing, in the forefront of your mind. Yeah. Right? Because you're not just doing it as you're approaching class in the next 15 minutes thinking about, oh, who's in my class? No, you've already designed for all that. You've already put that in. You've already put that work in, so you don't have to think about it. Right. You know, you just you just execute. That's that's what you do. Online, it, it takes care of itself to some degree. Um, face-to-face, you just, you know, you can riff off of what you've already designed in your online. So that's where that assessment and those assessment strategies become so important because if you've already got those designed, you're thinking about those who have different challenges that you need to include in, in the process. Yeah. There's, there is an immediate benefit to signing an online course for your face to face. Um, like you said, there's, you know, immediate benefit for that to see that a little bit. So we've already kind of talked about it, but we'll be talking about it in future. And it's like, how do you prepare for online learning? How do you get yourself ready? What are some of those transitions? And, um, you know, it's a way of expanding your mission as an instructor, as a faculty member, instead of being just having influence over the certain group of people that are right there at the same time in the same room, you can expand your influence. And if we think of it that way, then I think we'll, our horizons will change, our ideas will change, and the solutions that we come up with for on, not only online but for face-to-face yeah. will change and also make our teaching and learning experience better. Well, we're going to wrap up this series in our next episode talking about adapting, like you just said, to online learning and looking at what it looks like in the future for uh, online education mm-hmm. here on our campus and could be at large right. for sure. Yeah, so thank you for joining us. Uh, email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. If you have any questions or show ideas, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review us. And also check out Coffee Drops that they drop randomly throughout the week. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.